Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good morning, Cliff. How are you doing? I am all right, Bobo. How are you doing today? Pretty good. I've been getting a bunch of waves. I've been surfing all morning. Oh, really? Are, are you back surfing. on the board or are you just checking it out? Mentally. Mentally surfing. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, because uh, I don't think you want to be playing out in the ocean at this moment. Uh, we had that, uh, that atmospheric river come through and dump giant drops of rain all over us. And I heard there's 30, 40 foot surf at this point. Is that correct? It was, I guess, last night, or it's going to be tonight. But, um, it's probably about 15 to 18 out in front of my house right now. So I was just, just watching there and mind surfing is great. Cause you make every wave. <laughs> right. It's kind of like playing air guitar. You never mess up. Yeah, yeah, It's the exact same thing as air guitar. Does it feel as good? It feels almost as good as air guitar. Have you seen the air guitar championships? Oh yeah. Those guys are awesome. There's like a legitimate competition playing air guitar. You don't have to know your scales. No, <laughs> you got these weird faces and contort a lot. You know, that could be a whole side gig for like Pipeline or one of those big tournaments is like, you know, have the real surfers out there, so to speak, and then go back, you know, 600 yards and like on top of a cliff or something, then they can have like mind surfing competitions. <laughs> Dude, that, that would actually probably be a hit. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, anybody who wants to take that idea and run with it? Think no, of uh, no. Bobo and I when uh, when when you when you make a million bucks and fly us out for the competition one year. That's all we ask. Screw that! I'm taking. I'm I'm running with that idea. All right, Bobs. Well, the same goes for you. Remember Cliff one day and fly <laughs> me out to Hawaii and uh, and you know I'll 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 say smart things on camera. Right. <laughs> or I'll try to. <laughs> so what? So you got today? You got someone lined up for the beyond part of the Bigfoot. I've got a little Bigfoot and a little Beyond for you today uh, with with a, with a good friend of mine. Actually, this gentleman's name is Jared Jared Cadell, and he is he is the husband of a of another friend of mine, Cindy Cadell. Now, a lot yeah. of Bigfooters probably know about Cindy. She's been on a lot of documentaries. She's an anthropologist, an archaeologist, um, and but we'll we'll have her on at a future date. Um, and I got an email from Cindy last week saying, "Did you know that, that Jared had seen a UFO and maybe even a Bigfoot?" And I go, "No." No, I didn't. So I called Jared, and he was free today, and you're free today, and I'm free today. So we got him on the horn here. And so we're going to talk to Jared for a little while. But um, And you had met Jared once or twice, I believe, as well, Bobos. But for our uh, audience members, Jared is a member of law enforcement. He's a cool dude. He lives out uh, – well, I mean, it was original. Um, we'll talk to him in a minute. It doesn't matter where he lives because stalkers will go hunt him down anyway. But that's cool because he's a cop. He can handle himself. Hey, Jared, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Cliff. How are you? 
I am doing all right. Thank you very much for spending a little bit of time with Bobo and I talking here. Um, yeah, and, and, thanks uh, for coming out, Jared. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. Yeah, this is going to be cool. I had no idea that you had these encounters under your belt, and I've known you for years, so um, I, I love that. But let's first start with um, what you do for a living and the, your background a little bit, and you, you can be as open or as uh, discreet as you want with it. I, I already said you're law enforcement, and if that's as uh, specific as we need to get, that's fine too. But how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been in law enforcement for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I always like having law enforcement officers on, no matter what flavor of law enforcement, too, by the way, whether it's you know tribal cops or police or sheriff or any of the other ones out there, because part of your training is actually you were trained in observation. Am I correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What, what sort of training goes into that? Um, like, well, what, what does a training day look like with, with that? I don't know. Well, I mean, well, I guess with the training part of it, I mean, a lot of it comes with experience as well. Um, yeah, a lot of times you're looking at just verbal cues or uh, physical cues and stuff that people might be giving you if, you know, they're lying, that kind of stuff. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of different things that go into it. Um, you know, typically when you're coming into an area, you're, you know, scanning. You're not just looking straight ahead with tunnel vision, that kind of stuff. I'm just paying attention to places where people might be hiding. Um, you know, there's just all different areas of it i guess yeah so it's almost like awareness training in a way yeah yeah and like i said a lot of it comes just from experience as well um there's not necessarily i mean you should be observant even to go into the profession to begin with but you know there's not necessarily specific training john Fritz is a good buddy of ours and he used to teach actually federal agencies like fbi and all that how to he's an expert in deceptive um cues like what to look for where someone's lying physical cue and he employs that obviously a lot in his bigfoot when he's investigating witnesses he's he's good at that so i know you've been to events with cindy for the bigfoot stuff when you hear people yeah. tell their tell their stories what do you have any kind of rough percentages like how often do you go this guy's full of it like you know you can tell by the telltale signs and how often do you go man that guy's telling the truth or woman um it's probably I don't know. I would say I'm kind of maybe 50, 50 whenever I listen to people talk um, or maybe not quite that much, maybe 60, 40 of, you know, leaning towards people might be telling the truth, just kind of depending on what they're talking about. Um, but a lot of it, I'll look at, I mean, what they're saying, because, you know, um, some stuff sounds a lot more fantastic than others, I guess. But, um, you know, there's like just little, I guess whenever you're talking to somebody, um, I guess some of the interview techniques and stuff that you would use, uh, you know, you talk to them about stuff that you know is true. Um, like, you know, you might talk to them about, you know, what their favorite sports team is, that kind of stuff, you know, maybe about something on a, a football game that they watched and you'll kind of just look at how they react when you know that they're telling the truth. And then when they start talking about something else, if they start acting outside of what that baseline is, uh, that kind of gives you an indication that they're probably not being truthful. How well can you do that on, like, if you listen to a witness on on the phone or like a podcast interview? How, how confident are you that you do? You, do you have to visit, uh, physically be there and visibly see the person, or can you still? Do you think you can tell pretty good by just audio? It's, I mean, you're, it's a lot more accurate if you're able to physically see somebody. Um, but I guess you know, if you're just going based off of just audio stuff, um, I guess some of the biggest stuff would be, you know, if their story starts changing. 
you know, if they talk about one thing, maybe you go back and revisit that. And if their story changes a little bit or, you know, I mean, which that wouldn't be necessarily un, uh, uncommon or an indication that they're not being truthful. Cause you know, sometimes people um, might remember something if they go back to try to talk about the same thing, you know, they might remember something that they forgot to mention earlier, but you know, I guess one of the biggest things you would look for just that the story is actually changing. So, so um, now you've been married to Cindy for a long time. Um, did she get into Bigfoot before you started going going out in the field with her, or is it just a camping thing? Did it happen at the same time? And uh, what what were your thoughts on this whole thing that she was getting into? Um, yeah, she's been into it um, since she was a little kid. I guess she uh, well when she was younger, probably in her early twenties. Long before I met her, um, her and her family had gone out uh, to look for Christmas trees one year, and they found some tracks in the snow, and that so that kind of really piqued her interest. Um, I was, you know, never really into it. I mean, my experience with it was, you know, watching the Six Million Dollar Man episode with Bigfoot. And, it was uh, a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but I mean, I grew up in Texas, and so you know, it wasn't kind of the same as it was out in the Pacific Northwest where she grew up. Um, so I never really had a huge interest in it. Um, but, but when you found out that this woman you were dating had an interest in it or, you know, uh, how, how did that make you feel? It didn't really come up a whole lot at first until uh, probably, I mean, we'd probably been together for several years. Uh, and then her and her daughter, Megan, which I believe, you know, Megan as well. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, they said that they were going to go out on an expedition, on a Bigfoot expedition. And I was just like, OK. And uh, I didn't. I know we never really talked about it that much before, but then that's kind of when she really started telling me about some of her previous experiences. And, and I was just like, okay, whatever, that's cool. You know? And so they went out and then, uh, they decided to go out like the following week. And, uh, Cindy basically talked me into going out. She kind of drug me along. Um, I like going out camping and stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess worst case, I just go hang out in the woods for a while. Um, but we actually went out, uh, the first time I went out on an actual Bigfoot hunting expedition, I guess, was, uh, was with Tyler Bounds. Um, and on my first time out, uh, we actually made some recordings, uh, which I believe you guys used for the TV show. Uh, the audio that went on for like six and a half minutes with, uh, we were up on a ridge and it was howling at us from down below. So that was on my the first, side. uh, it was up there. It was in the Olympic Peninsula. Yeah, yeah. Were you were you there at the cabin when we met all the guys? Um, I was there. It wasn't at a cabin. Um, we all ended up meeting out in the woods. I think it was in, I believe it was season two of Finding Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. That was early, an early one. Yeah, I, I probably looked a lot younger back then too. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that that was the first time. Um, you know, I actually went out on any type of expedition and had that experience my first time out. So. Did that change anything for you? Um, well, what it, it did for me, um, you know, aside from being in law enforcement, um, I'm also a former Marine, and I did a lot of uh, training in jungles around the world. And in one of the jungles that I was in, you know, decades ago, there was uh, actually, they had howler monkeys, and, you know, I, I could actually see the monkeys, and, you know, they made, you know, all the noises, the vocalizations and stuff that they make. And what I heard that day sounded very similar um, or that night, it sounded very similar to what I knew, uh, you know, monkeys made, but it just was a lot bigger and, you know, deeper, more powerful because that was my first impression. I was like, damn, that's like a, a giant ape. 
for a giant monkey. Well, Cindy's an anthropologist, so, you know, she doesn't like me calling them monkeys, but that was my first. <laughs> there's, there's a difference, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that was my first, you know, impression that it was some kind of giant ape or monkey, you know, because the vocalizations were very similar to what I heard in jungles, just not as big and not as powerful. So, um, but that was what I first thought, you know, so. Did that spur you to make you uh, perhaps want to go out more with this in mind? Or was it just one of those things like, ah, well, at least my wife's not nuts and there's really something going on. And I'm just going to keep on camping. doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it piqued my interest for sure. But, um, you know, I mean, I've got other stuff going on. And so I've never like just really been all in on it like Cindy is. Um, but, you know, it kind of brought me into the whole big footing world, I guess. Well, I think that's cool because we always talk to Bigfooters and Bigfooters and Bigfooters and Bigfooters, but we we rarely take the time to acknowledge the the, the people like yourself that enable the Bigfooters to keep on doing this. You know, the supportive yeah. spouses, the families, the the mothers, the the, the daughters, and you know the sons. Like, there, there's a whole you know uh, backing cast, you know, supporting cast behind all these Bigfooters that we've spoken to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's neat to acknowledge those people first of all, but also you had an experience. Experience, which you know, and you were you're not the the main Bigfooter in your family, but no. you're the one who perhaps saw one. Uh, why don't you tell us about that experience? Um, yeah, so I believe it was in 2012. Um, it was either 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. Um, but we were going on another expedition in uh, Morton, Washington. So we were driving in. Um, I like to take our trailer when we go out, just in case there is something out there. I like to feel like I've got a little bit of protection, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we can get it into places, I mean, obviously there's places that you have to kind of pack in and it's you know, not as easy to drive into, but, uh, but on this particular expedition, we were taking our trailer. Um, it was probably about two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we were driving in, um, I was driving up a hill. The sun was actually kind of in my eyes and I saw what I thought was a person walking down the road towards us. And to me, it looked like a person just wearing white. Um, and what I thought was, oh, cool. Somebody's coming from camp to guide us in. But then I thought, wait, nobody knows we're coming right now. And then it was gone. And, um, it kind of went off. I didn't actually see where it went off the road because it just happened really quick. But, uh, there was all of a sudden this branch just started shaking up and down and Cindy was sitting next to me and I asked her, I'm like, did you see that? And she's like, what'd you see? Cause she saw like just movement out of the corner of her eye. And then she saw the branch shaking. And uh, I said, there was a person that was walking down the road because that's what it, that's what I thought it was. And so she ended up jumping out of my truck. And then her daughter, Megan, was also with us. And they both jumped up or jumped out of the truck and ran up to where this branch was shaking. And I continued driving up there, but uh, there was nothing there. There was like a game trail right below where this branch was. that went down to a big mossy log. Uh, so there really wasn't anywhere where you could see footprints or anything like that. Uh, but whatever it was, um, it was just gone, just super fast. Uh, we went back and measured where this branch was, and it was actually nine feet up. And But you know what I saw when I was driving up the hill, I, I really couldn't gauge you know size or anything like that. And it was just a couple seconds, so I mean, I really couldn't make out any detail. You just said you couldn't judge the height of the figure or anything, but can, how, how far away do you think this thing was from you as you were driving? Um, it's probably about maybe 25 to 30 yards. Oh, it's close. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was probably going about 
15 miles an hour. And like I said, oh. I was going uphill. And where this thing, yeah, I was just, I was probably halfway up the hill. The, the top of the hill was maybe probably 10 to 15 yards uh, up above me. And then I could just see, what, what I could see, it was like from the waist up, just, you know, on where the road kind of leveled off above where the top of the hill was. What was the lighting like? Um, it was sunny, but the the sun was actually setting. Um, and so it was, the sun was actually in my eyes. So I couldn't make out any details. All I could see was, like I said, I thought it was a person. It was, you know, definitely somebody or something walking, you know, on two feet towards us. But I could only see from the waist up. And so when you drove up there, you saw the branch that, and you saw the thing went down the slope. What, what was on the side of the road where the thing headed? Um, like I said, there was a game trail um, right below where this well, this tree, obviously, where the branch was hanging out. Uh, so there was a game trail, then it just went out into a big mossy area. And no visible places to hide or anything? Uh, I mean, uh, um, No, it just it was weird. Yeah, it's weird. It just opened up into a big meadow. I mean, there's trees and stuff all around it, but it just opened up into this big mossy meadow. Um, and yeah, you know, whatever it was, it was gone really fast. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso, and Satellites and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. So what did you think about that? Like, that, Did you still think it was a human when you got back in the car after looking at the area? Or what was the, the um, takeaway from that with, between you and your wife and the kid? Um, I wasn't really sure what to think at that point. Because um, like I said, when I first saw it, I just automatically thought it was a person. And I couldn't make out enough detail, you know, to tell me otherwise. Um, but it was definitely weird. Um, you know, like I said, we went out and kind of did a recreation later. And there was a guy that was with us. It was about six foot four. And he had to, like, basically jump up to be able to grab that branch to pull it down. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it was it was really weird. I don't know what to think of it. A great start to an expedition, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, even now, I mean, it's been several years, but you know, I'm, I'm not apt to say it was a Bigfoot sighting cause I don't know what it was, but you know, we heard later that there've been reports of like an albino Sasquatch in that area. So I don't know if that's what it was, but I mean, it was either a person or a Sasquatch, but I don't know. Did anything else happen on that trip? Yeah. There was some other stuff that was weird that happened. I mean, there was other people that there that were there that reported some stuff, but I didn't hear any of that. But uh, the last night we were there, I kind of stayed just in the base camp we were at, and we had a fire going. And uh, it was me and like three other people that were just sitting around the fire, just kind of BSing. And so behind where we were at, or where we were sitting at the fire behind us, there was like a dry creek bed, and there was a big drop off down below it, or down to the creek bed, there was a drop off. Um, and at one point we're talking and I heard a noise behind me and, and we all kind of stopped talking and I started to turn around and something just like took off running directly behind us. And to me, it sounded like it was something running on two feet, you know, just, you know, how it sounds when a person's running. 
that's what it yeah. sounded like, but I didn't see anything. But I mean, it could have been an animal. I don't know. But I mean, I don't know what kind of animal is going to walk up to a big ass campfire, you know, to see what's going on. But but yeah, that kind of freaked me out because I, well, I don't like stuff <laughs> being behind me. But you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I always sit in the back of the room for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that I mean, there was other people that were reporting other stuff, but those were the only experiences I had on that particular expedition. So. Yeah, Morton's a really good area. A really yeah. good area, actually. Yeah. I'm actually going to be up there later in the week. Oh, yeah. Um, I was invited up by one of the community members to do a, like an after-school program or something like that. So, yeah. To try to yeah. give back a little bit whenever I can. So, Yeah, yeah, we haven't been up there in a few years, but it seems like it's always pretty active whenever we do go there. So now, uh, I, I guess the, the, the real reason, I mean, I, I didn't even know about the Bigfoot thing, and <laughs> I didn't know about this either, but I was told you actually have seen a UFO, and you have a pretty amazing, either a good view of the thing, or a long view of the thing, or perhaps both. I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, it was both. Um, well, 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 give us that story. I, I love a good UFO story, so like, uh, set it up. Like, where were you? Where were you going? Were you on duty? Were you off duty? All that sort of stuff. Get laid on us. Okay. Um yeah, so I was on duty, um, and this was in 2016. I believe it was February of 2016. Um, I was working night shift. Um, it was probably about, it was between 1 and 1.30 in the morning, um, and it was it was in February, and you know, I live in central Oregon. Um, I mean, it's always cold over here at night, but this particular night, it was I believe it was like 8 degrees outside. It was just really cold. But it was also a really clear night. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Central Oregon at night, um, but when it's clear, you know, the stars are just like right there. You know, I mean, there's well, it's like that high desert sort of atmosphere, yeah. you know, it's just crystal clear and, and just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Were you on Highway, were you on highway 97? Um, no, um, I was actually uh, in Prineville. I've worked for Prineville at that time. Um, so, you know, that's probably what. 25 miles east of Highway 97. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it's like 1, 1.30 in the morning, and um, we ended up getting information that there was a person that was in this house that had a warrant, and so we decided to go try to wake them up and arrest them on their warrant. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was, it's late at night or early in the morning. It's super cold outside, uh, so there really wasn't any people out when we go to this house um i had two deputies with me and then another uh one of the city police officers that was with me and so i'm at the front door and there was a deputy that went around to the backyard and another deputy off to my right and then an officer off to my left and so they're all kind of watching the windows of the house and it's a two-story house and so i go to knock on the front door and after i knock on the door i step back and there was a window up on the second story above the door. So as I stepped back, I just kind of looked up to that window because I thought I heard movement inside. And as I looked up, I just see like there's some big black shape that was just blocking out the stars. And so I look up at the sky and there was just a huge, it was just a huge triangle shape. Um, and there was no noise and, and it wasn't that high. Um, it was probably... Um, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, distance is as far as it was probably about equivalent to like where helicopters normally will fly. Um, so it wasn't like super high, but it was just this massive triangle shape and not making any noise. And it's just, you know, 
just drifting directly above where I was at. So I'm looking at it and it's, it was freaking me out. Cause I was like, what the hell is that? And then the deputy was off to my right. I was trying to get his attention to have him look up. And then right about that time, I start hearing somebody coming to the front door of the house. And so, you know, my attention had to be right there because I, you know, you don't know if somebody's going to come out with a, with a gun or, or who knows what they're going to do. But, you know, I'm some, I can't like really get anybody else's attention to point up to the sky so they can see it too. Um, you know, like I said, somebody's coming out the front door, but I just kept, you know, peeking up and it just, you know, it ended up just drifting over where we were at and, you know, finally just ended up going over uh, the rim rock out, you know, to where it was no longer visible. But yeah, yeah I've mean, seen I'm, one of those one. I saw one of those two one time and uh, I don't know if yours did this, but the one I watched, it flew like there was a triangle and mm-hmm. it would kind of, it would it like carry down like it was going down like a, Bowling alley lane with bumpers, you know, for little kids so the ball can't go in the gutter. And they'll bounce back and forth going down. It was going like that. It's like each point was it would it would pivot when it hit this like a hit this invisible barrier it looked like. And it would then all of a sudden, like see there's A, B, C points of the triangle. A would be the mm-hmm. leading point, then all of a sudden it would kind of rotate and B would be the leading point and go off at like a forty five oh. degree angle. Was it doing that at all? No. Um it was just uh it was just moving in basically just in a straight line. Um, but it had like triangle lights going down both sides of it. Um, so it was a huge, just black triangle shape. And like I said, I could see it pretty clear just because the stars were so clear and it was just blocking out all the stars. But yeah, it was just a massive triangle shape with triangle lights going down the sides. And it, it was just basically just flying in a straight line. How fast was it flying, say, compared to a helicopter, as you said, because it was about the same height as what they fly? Was it significantly faster? Does it seem to be taking its time? Uh, it was going probably slower. I mean, it, it, it wasn't moving really fast. The one thing that, that really got me about that night, like I said, there was three other officers that were with me, and I just wasn't able to get anybody's attention because I was the only one that actually saw it just because, like I said, whenever uh, I'm trying to get their attention, there's somebody coming out the front door of that house, and so, you know kind of kind of have to pay attention to that but yeah it was it was weird what color were the lights again uh they were kind of uh just like a clear yellowish i guess like you know um they weren't like you know like normally like you see on the bottom of helicopters or planes they have like strobe lights um it wasn't anything like that they were just like little whitish yellow glowing lights and they were all like triangle shaped down both sides of it they, I mean, they and so they're all the same color, though. Yeah, yeah. And um, like I said, they were all triangle-shaped, too. And they weren't super bright. Because um, like I said, with this thing, um, just with the shape of it is, you know, like I said, I could clearly see that just because it was blocking out the stars. And the lights going down the sides, um, they were a lot dimmer than what the stars were. So, Jared, I mean, you always hear, you know, the stories about people calling the police and there's no report made. But are you mm-hmm. aware of, uh, you know, hearing, like, Calls coming over the radio at night, like prowler, suspicious prowler, and like maybe it's a bear. You know anything odd like that? Um, for this night, uh, there was no calls that came in about what I saw. Um, but you know, like I said, it was like one one thirty in the morning, and it was super cold outside, so there really wasn't anybody that was out. You know, um, right. I mean, I have been on duty before, and people have called in similar stuff, but um, I didn't actually see what they were reporting, so. But I mean, how I mean, how often have you heard of something that could be, you know, like could be a possible Bigfoot or likely Bigfoot? 
Um, I, I've never actually had a call or anywhere that I've worked. I haven't heard of anybody calling in reporting that they've seen a Bigfoot. I know that there's been, you know, other places where those kind of calls have come in, but I've just never experienced that myself. You ever heard any of their officers talk about anything weird like that? As far as Bigfoot or UFOs? Either one. Um, I, yeah, I've heard other officers talk about like UFO stuff. Um, not necessarily the, like the same thing that I saw, but uh, there I have heard other officers talking about stuff that they've seen. Anything stand out to you? Yeah, I had one guy uh, who I work with now. Um, he didn't he didn't see like a big triangle shape like what I saw, uh, but several years ago he you know said he saw. Uh, I guess it was like just some big lights that were up in the sky that you know they were just kind of hovering. And uh, he wasn't sure what they were. And then all of a sudden, they all like shot off in different directions, like at a really high rate of speed. Um, and I guess what stood out on that story, he actually, uh, he wasn't a cop when that happened, but he actually called like 911 to, to report that. And so there's a record of that somewhere. And I think there were other people that also called in and reported the same thing. So, Did you tell the guys you were with that night? The night you saw your triangle, did you tell the other officers there that you saw that? And what was the reaction? Reaction no, you did? Yeah, I didn't tell them because, uh, like I said, whenever it was going directly above where we were at, um, that was kind of the opportunity where you know I could have had some other witnesses. But just like I said, with the way things were unfolding, with somebody coming to the door at the house, I couldn't get anybody's attention. And then, uh, right. and so you know, at that time, you know, it was still moving. And so by the time everything kind of calm down at the house uh it, it was already pretty much out of sight and so at that point i was like i was thinking i should say something but then nobody else saw it and i just you know figured they would have thought i was crazy or something stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages My dad was a cop. I've been around a lot of police officers in my life, man. Yeah. Cops are ruthless with each other. <laughs> yeah. Just ruthless hecklers. And yeah, yeah a friend of mine uh, up on the Olympic Peninsula, he saw, he's a police officer. He's a sheriff at the time. He saw a Sasquatch out by La Push. Then he went back to the cop shop, you know, because it was like a substation out on that side of the peninsula somewhere. And um, when he got back in, he looked a little, you know, dazed and confused and like a little, you know, off a bit. So uh, one of the other officers in there said, hey, what's up? And um, he told him what he had seen. And the cops just heckled him ruthlessly <laughs> for it. But um, but that's one thing. You, OK, that, that makes sense in, in some sort of way. But I happen to know one of those other police officers that are sheriffs, actually, that was heckling this guy. And because um, I'm good friends with his brother. And uh, this guy used to make fun of my friend, who is his brother, for hanging out with me for some, some Bigfoot nerd, right? Oh, Bigfoots aren't real, blah, blah, blah. And then this guy, this this uh, sheriff, was out four by and I guess, on the peninsula somewhere, and he came across uh, two sets of fresh, muddy tracks when he was four by and a 16 and a 14-inch track, side by side. And he goes, oh, my God, they are real. Cliff's right. And that was before he was heckling his colleague. So he already knew Bigfoots are real, just... Some cops are like that, you know, <laughs> just like I'm going to heckle you because that's what we do. That sort of uh, that, that you know, sibling or uh, I would say brotherly, but there's so many female police officers. So like a sibling, like a camaraderie where I'm just going to heckle you for it. So I don't blame you for not telling them. Um, but at the same time, I kind of wish I'd kind of wish he had just because I'm curious what they would have said. 
if maybe one of them noticed it as well. Because you said earlier in the presentation or, or our conversation here, you have to be aware of all this stuff. And you yeah. happened to notice what was right ahead of you, uh, right above you, um, and everybody else was focused on the, the matter at hand. And who can yeah. blame them? It's a dangerous situation. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I wish I should have just just stepped back and said, you know, hey, you know, and, and like made them all look up. But, you know, I don't know. It's. Oh well, yeah, there's there more important that you guys are. I mean, really, your your life was in danger at that point because you didn't know the guy was going to show up at the door with a shotgun or what. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, and it turned out as far as with the person we were looking for, he wasn't even there, and so it was somebody else that came to the door. So you know, it all turned out that it was all, you know, just routine. But uh, but just in the heat of it, you know, that's as soon as you know I start hearing somebody come to the front door, that's when it was directly over me, you know, and so you know, kind of lost that opportunity. It would, it would have, yeah. I mean, if, if you would have had two, I mean, like I said, there was four of us. If you had two or three of us or all four of us that all saw it, you know, that would certainly make it a lot more credible. You know, did you feel, did you feel vindicated when the Pentagon released those like Fravor tapes, the Navy pilot UFO videos? I don't know if I felt vindicated. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard other reports of, you know, similar, just gigantic triangle shapes, like what I saw. Um, but I didn't like really tell anybody, you know, other than people that are close to me, what I saw. So, I mean, I wasn't really having like a lot of people, you know, doubt my story or anything. Cause I just didn't really tell anybody, you know, but, uh, right. but you know, I mean, seeing like a lot of other reports that have come out, um, it, it seems like that's a pretty common sighting, you know, big triangle shaped object that's silent. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people see those sort of things. A friend of mine over in um, Vancouver saw one back in the 80s. Actually, I think he saw three silently, slowly moving over his house from north to south. Um, that triangle motif is quite common, from what I understand. But to those ends, um, you know, I've seen one of those. I've seen a stealth fighter back before mm-hmm. back before they were public knowledge. I was camping, you know, way back in the day um, in Death Valley, we saw one of those things fly over, and you know, within a few months, that I, that thing came out, became more public. Um, so I knew what I was looking at. Um, but since you're a police officer out that area in, in Central Oregon, are there military bases that you're aware of that um, we might be doing tests of such things in that general area? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there could be. I mean, not. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of anything like that. Um, but it's definitely possible. Um, I mean, that's one of the things whenever I saw this thing that, uh, I was kind of thinking it might be some kind of military craft, except for the only thing that really struck me about it was just the size. I mean, it was massive. Um, how big do you think it was? Cause you, you said, um, one, and it's nice that you said it was about the altitude at which helicopters fly. Well, that gives us some very loose, very approximate baseline, um, for how big it might've been. What, what would be your guess on that? It was probably, I mean, lengthwise, it was probably close to a hundred yards. I mean, it was about the size of a football field. Oh, that's then, massive. Yeah. And then that's probably, the same size I saw. yeah. And then probably going from, uh, where the, you know, I guess going down triangle to triangle on the sides, it was probably pretty close to the same, you know, width. So, you know, I mean, it was, it was massive. And that, and like I said, it, I, I was thinking maybe it was some type of military, you know, plane or something, you know, some kind of technology we don't know about, but just the size of it was, you know, I, I don't know if we have anything like that or not, but. Um, yeah. And no, silent too. That yeah. seems to a technology beyond what uh, we probably have. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, 
I, you know, as, not, as fancy as we think we are, I think we're pretty unsophisticated species, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I can't really go out on a limb and say it was aliens because I don't know, but it was, that's what struck me the most. I mean, aside that it was moving silently was just the size of it, you know, and then I don't, I don't know what we have that's that big that can fly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right then, Jared. Well, I want to thank you for your time coming on uh, Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo and talking to us and sharing your two encounters, um, one with a Sasquatch or potentially, possibly a Sasquatch, and the other one with a strange, shadowy, very large triangular-shaped object in the sky. Weird stuff, man, but you're a credible witness. I know know you well. You're a friend. You've been to my house. I mean, um, I have no question at all. You saw what you're telling us, and I love the fact that since you don't know what you saw, I don't know. Are you playing it down or are you just mellow? <laughs> You're a pretty mellow guy to begin with, but I'd be excited about what all this sort of stuff. Like, hey, I made have seen a big foot. I saw a big triangle. You know, I'm a fan of geometry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess some of it comes down to, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what you know. It matters what you can prove, you know? And so, yeah. I mean, I guess right. I tend to downplay stuff a little bit because I don't know what it was. But like I said, I know what I saw, but what it was, I don't know. Well, thanks again, Jared, for spending some time with us and sharing your story. Um, If you see another Bigfoot or another UFO, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, other than that, um, hug your wife for us both, okay? All right, definitely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Say hi to Cindy and uh, have a good rest of your weekend. All right, will do, Bobo. You do the same. Yeah, Cliff, it's always good to have law enforcement, you know, because like you said, they're trained observers. They look at things critically. And they got the reputation to really think of, I mean, amongst all professions. I mean, that's one of the ones that's really where your character is such a huge part of your job requirement. Yeah. And they also find themselves out in those situations where they could see these strange things. You know, Sasquatches being largely but not exclusively nocturnal, uh, UFOs in the sky. I mean, who knows what other people have seen out there on, on the beat, you know? Um, it's, it's always good to have uh, police officers on, like the, like the guys we had a few weeks ago that saw that really weird thing, that, that humanoid-shaped thing in a bubble. Like, what in the world yeah. is that about? I think Jared's lucky he's only seen a Sasquatch and a UFO. <laughs> yeah. All right, Cliff, I think I'm going to get back to surfing. <laughs> All right, mind surfing. I'll get back yeah. to some air guitar here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shred. <laughs> All right, sweet. Okay, we'll say hi to Mel. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, tell your family. Listen to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. Subscribe, like, all that stuff. We'd appreciate it. And until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 